This is episode 184 of the Church Venture Northwest podcast. We're continuing our most recent event, Men's Roundup 2022, Community and Connection with Pastor Chad Moore. This is session two from Saturday morning. Yes. 
tried to just get a little smarter relationally, and God taught me these, these, three, these three pillars. And so the first is wisdom. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of James. The book of James. James chapter 3, and uh, I look in my Bible on a screen here. That's okay. It's just as powerful digitally because it's the Word of God. James chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 13. I had somebody in my church go, it's just not as powerful unless it's in leather. I'm like, I don't think you understand it, <laughs> you know. It's still a really sharp sword, even digitally. Uh, it's what it says that's powerful. Yeah, the, the leather book's just nice. I like leather too, you know. But digitally, I can get through it quickly. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. He writes, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him, what are the next two words? Let him show it, show it. Would you turn to a brother next to you and would you tell him, show it? All right, here's why I had us do that. Wisdom is when you show it. Don't just know it, show it. Don't just know it. Show it. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it. We're all supposed to be Missouri, the, like the show me state, you know? Let him show it by his good life. By deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Tonight we'll talk about humility. Humility that comes from wisdom. But, verse 14, if you harbor bitter envy... And selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. How many of you think in our culture people boast about bitter envy and selfish ambition? Like, I don't know, I don't know. Well, election season's coming up. See if you don't notice it. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it. Or deny the truth on social media. I own that person. Don't boast about that. Such quote wisdom, verse 15, does not come from heaven. 
Look at this, strong words, but it's demonic. But it's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's of the devil. Relationships are really important to God. How we treat people is really important to God. Such, quote, wisdom is demonic. Verse 16, for where you have envy and where you have selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Wherever there's chaos, friends, somebody's being selfish. That's what we just read. And it just produces more and more evil. There's God's way and there's the world's way. There's God's wisdom and there's the world's wisdom. You're going to have fruit from either source. Fruit from worldly wisdom leads to destruction. The fruit of godly wisdom leads to life. And in the end, say it with me, all that matters is God and people. Verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven. So eternal life is a relationship. Let me just let you in on this. One theologian said it this way. I love this. The goal of God is not just to get you into heaven after you die. It's also to get heaven into you now while you live. Isn't that good? Heavenly wisdom. That's what we're talking about. You know what God wants for you? As you go home and love your wife and your kids, uh, as you build friendships uh, this weekend, as we uh, get to know each other a little better, as we serve in the church, as we lead in the workplace, whether we're an employer or, or an employee. I said your because I'm from Texas, not an employer. It's employer, right? You know what he wants from us? Heavenly wisdom. And heavenly wisdom is, guess what? Something that you and I can receive. The whole Christian life is about receiving. God works it in, we work it out. God works it in us, we work it out amongst us. But the wisdom that comes from heaven, he breaks it down. James is so good, man. It's like the cookbook of scripture. Do this, do this, you get this. James does that over and over again. Here's the ingredients. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then peace loving. Remember that in election season, by the way. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. I've never met a blessed troublemaker. Sorry, there it is. But the wit, no, I'm not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. There are no jerks for Jesus, guys. That's an oxymoron. All right, this is called going off chasing a rabbit. I'm going to do that real quick. There are no jerks for Jesus, Okay. That's an oxymoron. You know what an oxymoron is? It's when you say something and then the next thing you say cancels out what you just said. Like this. Jumbo shrimp. That's an oxymoron. You want another one? Microsoft works. <laughs> How about this one? Country music. 
Uh, I love country music. I got it played in my truck all the time. I just put together a playlist called Truck Vibes, and it's all country. It's all country music. But there are no jerks for Jesus. What if, what if, what if, gentlemen? <laughs> what if we went home, and all of a sudden, we were known for the quality of our relationships? What if we went home, and we actually took Jesus seriously, and we were known for our love for one another? Because love is not weak, it's not pansy, it's not wimpy. The truth is, you can't love without strength. Because love comes from a deep resource that you are sharing. Only the strong love well. And we've got to get over this idea that to love well is a wimpy thing. Love is not for wimps, it's for warriors. And so, guys, if we could just be known for the quality of our relationships, where we could manage the tension of grace and truth, because Jesus is full of both. You know, we're not just truth warriors, guys. We're also grace warriors. Jesus is full of grace and truth. And if we could learn to live in that tension and, and love well, our families would change. The world around us would change. This is what it means to follow Jesus. Discipleship's not just about what you know, it's about what you show. Discipleship is about application, it's about doing, not just, not just knowing. There are, no, there are no jerks for Jesus. In fact, if you look at that whole thing in the context of what we're reading here, the Bible says that that kind of attitude, that kind of thing, even if you put the Jesus bumper sticker on it, that kind of thing's actually demonic. It's, it's not good. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. And, and let me just, so if you're like putting me in a political box right now, don't do it. Uh, just so you know, I'm from Texas. I grew up with open containers and a gun rack. You with me? Like, that's my background. So you can probably figure out where I land politically. But, but listen, know this. <laughs> Sometimes people in my church are like, pick a side. I have. It's called the kingdom of God. Right. And, and Jesus really, really loves people that I think are politically stupid. Okay? And, and he wants me to reach them. And so I'm a bridge builder, not a bridge burner. I don't know why the Holy Spirit has me talking about this right now. Maybe this is for somebody. But we've got to represent King Jesus first. That's right. And I tell our people, you know, my goal is not to get you to think more conservative or more liberal. My goal is to get you to think more biblical. Because after all, all right, would Jesus be a Democrat? Don't talk right now. Just listen. No responses. <laughs> would Jesus be a Democrat or a Republican? Jesus would not be a Democrat. And Jesus would not be a Republican. Everybody lean in. Because Jesus is not an American. <laughs> he is bigger than that. No jerks for Jesus. Everybody turn to the dude next to you and say, show it. All right. Man camp, baby. Roundup. 
Verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, he breaks it down. Pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit. The wisdom that comes from God. Warriors for God. The wisdom that comes from God. It's good fruit. It's impartial. It's sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Raise a harvest of righteousness. You want to change the world one life at a time? Walk in God's wisdom. You want to change our country? Walk in God's wisdom. You want to change your family? Walk in God's wisdom. You want to change your family tree, your legacy? Walk in God's wisdom. Several things about wisdom here. I'm going to ask you, uh, if you don't normally take notes, you might want to do that uh, this morning because I'm going to give you some things and you're going to go, oh, and then perhaps you can look at it later and, and the Holy Spirit will kind of unpack some of it with you because I'm going to go quick and there's a, there's a whole lot whole lot here. Uh, the first thing that I want you to notice about what we just read is wisdom is relational. Did you see that? There's a demonic way to do relationships and there's a heavenly wise way to do relationships. That's literally what we just read. Uh, wisdom is relational. Uh, wisdom is not about being smart. You can have a really high IQ and still blow up every relationship in your life. So it's not about your IQ, it's about what you choose to do. Um, I read a chapter in the book of Proverbs just about every day. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. That's a wisdom book in your Old Testament. And Solomon, who wrote most of that, said that there's four kinds of people in the world. There's the wise, there's the fool, there's the simple, and then he throws in and there's also the evil. So evil people just want to watch the world burn. So, so, so there's a little bit different category. But, but think about the three. The wise, the fool, and the simple. Okay, So simple people aren't thinking about their life. They're just living it. Simple people are not intentional at all. Simple people kind of live by their emotions and they're constantly just responding to what's happening to, to them. Uh, simple people, listen to this, follow their heart. Dudes, uh, in every relationship you have, if you live by your feelings, you're going to jack that relationship up. Because your feelings will lie to you. Uh, no one lies to you more than you do. We even have a word for it. We call it rationalizing. That's telling yourself rational lies. Do not live your life by your feelings. That's what five-year-old boys do. So we have to spank them and help them get correct because the world doesn't revolve around them. It's not all about them, right? That's why a little kid, you call it the terrible twos because that's when a child's realizing, wait a minute, I used to cry and you came running in the middle of the night and I'd poop myself and you just loved me anyway. But when they're two, you're like, go use the potty. When you're two, you're like, go back to sleep. Right? The world starts to, stops revolving, and so that little two-year-old kid starts to rebel. There's a lot of like 30-year-old men who are acting like they're two because they live their life by their feelings. Don't do that. When you got married, you had to take marriage vows, which means this is going to be hard. Right? And you moved on that day from me, 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 to we, 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 all the way home. 
Marriage is this great journey of shifting from me to us. From me to, to we. And if everything that you do in your marriage is about how you feel, you are still singing the song like you're warming up for a selfish solo. Me, 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 me. This is why the Bible tells all the men, die to yourself. Just like Jesus died for the church. Love that woman. But she's lover. But she didn't love her. But she won't love her. Lover, 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 lover. It's not a 50-50 deal. Jesus in the church, it was 100-0. Can I get a witness? Now, the beautiful thing in the way that God made women, and sometimes there's baggage and there's unhealth, but for the most part, women are responders, and they will respond to that love, especially if it is consistent. you got to move from me, 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 to we, 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 all the way home. Wisdom is, is relational. It's relational. It's moving beyond how I feel to this question, and you can write this down, what is the wise thing to do? I'm so pissed off at my wife right now, right? You have one of those moments? You got to ask yourself, what is the wise thing to do? Can I say that at Roundup? Well, I just did, so there it is. Okay. What is, what is the wise thing to do? Take a breath. What is the wise thing to do? Because you don't just want to know it. You want to what? Show it. it. It's not about what you. It's about what you. This is a big deal. It's a big deal. Show it. All right. Wisdom is relational. Wisdom won't solve all of your relational problems, but it will greatly reduce them. It won't solve all the problems, but it will greatly, greatly reduce them. Okay, four things. Let's go quick here. Four things that wise people choose to do. Wisdom that comes from heaven. Wise people, number one, build trust. The word there is pure. Uh, what that means is in building trust, the word there pure, it means honest. It means real. By the way, you know what a real man is? You know what a real man is? It's a man who is real. Ta-da. Do you know any? Wise people, first of all, build trust. Why? Because they're honest. Here it is. Truth builds trust. 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 What builds trust, guys? Truth, truth builds trust. Sometimes the truth is hard. Jesus said the truth will set you free. But sometimes at first it will make you miserable. <laughs> the truth will set you free. The opposite of truth would be a? The opposite of freedom would be? Bondage. Truth sets people free. Lies put people in a prison. Truth builds trust. My wife and I have been practicing something over the past couple of years. We actually learned it in marriage counseling. You're like, dude, you went to marriage counseling? I told you I was a relational idiot. That's how we started. Where were you? It's all right to get coaching. It's all right to get some help. This is what wise people do. Does this make sense? If I don't know, I'm going to go find out because I want to show heavenly wisdom. And so we'd go to marriage counseling. And the guy said, uh, do you guys have any secrets from each other? And I'm like, you know we're human beings, right? Of course we do, you know. There are things I don't necessarily want my wife to know because I'm embarrassed about it. And he said, well, let me tell you something. The more honest you are, the closer you will be. And I'm thinking as a man, I'm like, wait a second. That's not how this works. The more awesome I am, the more closer we will be. 
the more I have it together, the sexier I am. You know what I mean? Ain't nothing wrong over here. Check that out. Boom, bam, boom. You know what I mean? Like, I, I got it all together. And then my wife said, oh, wait a second. She said, honestly, Chad, when you're, like, vulnerable, when, when, when you confess, like, like when, when, when you do that, it makes me feel really close to you. And I'm like, wait a second. You're telling me if I'm vulnerable with you, we're going to have more sex. <laughs> That's how she responded. She laughed at me. <laughs> and then she said, why don't you try it out? <laughs> Here's what the word intimacy means, guys. And I know you're going to want to deduct points from my man card right now. But I'm helping you in your romantic life, okay? Intimacy means, remember this definition, into me see. Here's the real me. Into me see. Truth builds trust. And so the counselor's like, all right, my wife's name's Katrina with a K like the hurricane. He said, so Katrina, you probably have a file in your mind, and your heart, and that file was labeled things I can't talk to Chad about. And he said, Chad, you probably have a file in your mind and your heart, and those are things I can't talk to Katrina about. You guys both have permission right now to ask each other, is there anything in the file? What is it? And so I'm like, all right, I'm going on this journey. We'll just test this out. And here's what I've learned, guys. The more honest and vulnerable I am with my wife, the closer she feels to me. Now, sometimes it scares her and we fight. And sometimes it pisses her off. But you know what the great thing is about a good, healthy fight in marriage? You get to make up. <laughs> and on the other side of that tunnel of chaos... Good relationships will include a tunnel of chaos. Because you, if you're married, you married a sinner. And your wife married an even bigger one. And so when you start getting honest, you're going to go through this tunnel of chaos and there's, there's going to be some friction. But when you come out the other side, you, you will be closer. Last night, theology. Big picture. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God. This being who is one and yet three, three and yet one, tells two as he creates Adam and Eve, I want you two to become one. That's the mingling of souls. The only way to do that is to be honest. Truth builds what? Trust. trust. We tend to believe the lie. If I'm honest, I'm going to lose trust. No, 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 no. The more that you're honest, the more that you build trust. You're moving from me, 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 me to we, 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 we all the way home. By the way, this is true not just in marriage. This is true in everything. This is true in every relationship. This is true in business. The more honest you are in business, the more customers you're going to have. When you screw up and own it and you build trust, there's a good chance now you got a lifelong customer unless you screwed up really bad. Are you with me? 
But when you own it, that actually builds a, a, a reputation. Uh, when I am honest with, uh, our, our, our church is a little bit larger. I, we have like lots of employees. <laughs> I'll tell you this quick story. So uh, last year I did, I did a funeral uh, in Texas. Uh, my, my uncle passed away. And um, my uncles and my dad, my dad's retired now, but all my uncles worked together. Four brothers worked together. They all lived in the same neighborhood in Crandall, Texas. And all of my cousins, all of their kids went to school together. I call them the redneck mafia. <laughs> I'm kind of the white sheep of the family. Are you guys with me? By God's grace. Okay, so they're all kind of right there living in the same neighborhood, going to school together. They, they, they all work together. And, and it is the redneck mafia. If you line up uh, the, the young women who are my cousins, just so you know, they're all beautiful. And they all had a little work done. They're like, they're like stunning. Okay? And so uh, you have blue-collar people with white-collar money with the business that they own. I go home. I, I, I do, this, do this funeral. My cousin, Paula, who is beautiful, is married to this guy named Drew. Drew is a farmer, but Drew is a really good bass fisherman. And he's become, this is his full-time job, he is a professional bass fisherman. And he's about as redneck as you can get. He is a professional bass fisherman. This guy makes six figures fishing for bass out on the lake. Just about every year, he will win a brand new Ranger fishing boat. I hate this guy. <laughs> We're sitting next to each other eating fried chicken after the funeral. His name's Drew. And he goes, hey, man. Uh, so we watched you on the computer a few times. I said, oh, yeah? He goes, yeah, you, you, you're pretty good, man. You're all right. I said, well, thanks, Drew. I appreciate that. He goes, let me ask you a question. He goes, your church kind of big? I go, yeah, six locations, lots of people. He's like, yeah, man. He goes, I've never been to a church like that. And I go, well, you should come to Arizona and hang out with us. I'd love to have you. He's like, well, let me ask you a question. He goes, uh, like for you, you know, church, big church, pastor. And He's like, what's the hardest part of your job without missing a beat? I said, without a doubt, it's personnel. And he went, yeah. <laughs> What's that mean? <laughs> I put my arm around him. I said, Drew, I've never liked you. <laughs> but I've never been more jealous of you than I am right now in this moment. <laughs> right? What I've learned is when you're honest with employees, they trust you. You know what leadership is? It's influence. You know how you gain influence? Honesty. Vulnerability. It's the exact opposite of how we all think. Here's why. There's worldly wisdom, and then there's heavenly wisdom. And God knows what he's doing. Come to find out the creator knows how the creation is supposed to operate. This is why you want to move from knowledge about God to knowledge of God. When you forgive the seemingly unforgivable, you'll understand a little more about who God is. By the way, you can't do that, but he can do it in you and through you. We'll talk a little bit about that tonight. When you love the seemingly unlovable, you understand a little more who God is. You're moving from knowledge about to knowledge of. You ready? That's how it works. You move to knowledge of God. You get to know God when you trust him, when, when you and I uh, apply. 
All right. Wise people build trust. They're pure. They're honest. Second one, uh, wise people avoid picking a fight uh, because wise people are, are peace-loving. Uh, I'm going to give you just a couple of things here. Um, you, you guys know uh, your wife's hot buttons, right? I'm not talking about sex right now. I'm talking about what makes her mad. <laughs> I realize I just said hot button and went, I'm at man camp, round up. Everybody just went a certain direction with that. Um, I know how to make my wife mad if I want to upset her. And typically I'll do that in defense mode when I know I've done something wrong. So I'll just like push this button. And I'll say something like, will you always, will you never? You ever say that? Will you always, will you never? Well, first off, that's not true. That's not always. It's not never, right? But those are the kinds of things we do when we start to pick a fight. Um, here's what I've had to learn, and I'm still learning this. Uh, when I'm in an argument with somebody, I have to redefine the win. Because I like to win. Any winners in the room? And I can be fairly articulate and, uh, and, and strong, right, vocally. Um, instead of winning the argument, you got to redefine the win. Don't win the argument, win the relationship. Any man in here that's been married for more than 15 years, you've learned how to redefine the win. There are so many times, I know I'm not wrong. I'm so right, I can't stand myself. <laughs> but it's probably not that big of a deal, you know. And so i got to redefine the win. Do I want to win the argument or do I want to win my wife? Those kinds of, of, of thoughts. You avoid picking a fight because you can win the fight and lose the person. Uh, avoid picking a fight. Uh, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. You know what the beautiful thing is about Jesus, right? Because he's the lion and the lamb. Uh, Jesus walks softly and carries a big stick. But he loves peace. And you and I want to be peacemakers, not, not troublemakers. Uh, in our home and, and in the world. Avoid picking a fight. Number three, wisdom from heaven. Um, it's considerate. We validate others' feelings. We validate others' feelings. Uh, write this down if you're taking notes um, and you have any relationship with a woman, if you're dating a woman, if you're married to a woman, if you know a woman, if a woman works at your office, this right here is going to be really important. Uh, and it's true for you too. We just, we just don't know it. But write this down. Feelings aren't facts. Feelings aren't facts. Now don't go home and argue with your wife and when, hey, you know what we learned? Feelings aren't facts. <laughs> Get over it, right? Uh, so it's foolish, now here's the part for you, feelings aren't facts, so it's foolish to argue about feelings. I'll give you an example. You ever play this game? It's cold in here. No, it's not. It's hot in here. No, it's not. I, th I think the dude that invented, uh, I, I assume it was a dude, it, it might have been, a, it been a, a lady, but the person that invented uh, dual air conditioning for cars, they should get a Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> uh, I'll give you an example here. Validate others' feelings. So uh, let's say that your wife says, uh, I feel ugly. All right? So the average man, the woman says, I feel ugly. And the dude's like, you're not ugly. 
If you was ugly, I wouldn't have married you. You know that's how men think, right? That's stupid. You're not ugly. And by the way, what do you think about me? I'd marry an ugly chick? What's the matter with you? Right? Me, 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 me. All right, here's how you validate feelings. Because feelings aren't facts. They're just feelings. By the way, do you always know why you feel the way you feel? My wife's telling me because I just turned 50. She's like, I think you got menopause. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, there's days you just wake up, you're in a bad mood. I'm like, sweetheart, that ain't menopause. I've always had that. And she's like, well, why are you in a bad mood? I'm like, I don't know. Do you always know why you feel the way you feel? All right, well, times that by a thousand, and that's your wife or your girlfriend or whoever. Uh, so she says, I feel ugly. Here's how, you, here's how you do that. You say, sweetheart, I'm sorry you're feeling that way. I just validated that feeling. Well, what makes you feel that way? What, what, what's making you feel that way? Why, why do you think you feel that way? And then you shut your mouth and you stare at her. <laughs> and you don't talk. And you listen. Every dude right now, outside, inside, everybody at Tadmore Camp, right now, write these words down. To listen is to love. Would you write that down? To listen is to love. Get a tattoo or something. To listen is to love. I'm going to tell you right now, if you just go home and imply that one, and you're married, your marriage just greatly improved. You just look and you listen. You ask questions and you listen. Big deal. Big deal. This works in every relationship. To listen is to love, to just kind of validate people's feelings. Uh, I'm going to tell a story. So we have a safety team at our church, and uh, when I walk around, there's usually somebody with me, lots of people. We had a dude that was new on the safety team. His name's Ron. And I knew Ron before. Ron had given his life to Jesus at Sun Valley. Uh, Ron, really successful uh, insurance guy. Sells insurance, has, has a little brokerage. And he had done really well. And he got invited, uh, because he had did so well, he gets invited every year, uh, for this free trip, this fancy resort up in uh, Canada. And he had always uh, been, you know, sleeping with, with women that he wasn't married to. He, he was divorced. And every year he would take some woman that he met, you know, and they would party it up on, on this trip. And so he comes to me, and he tells me this. And he said, Chad, but now I've given my life to Jesus. He goes, all these people have watched me do over the years is get drunk and, and bring a new woman every year. And he goes, so I was wondering if you would go with me this year. <laughs> I'm like, Ron, wh where are we going with this? You know, like, he goes, no, no, no. He goes, I, I, I've been sober for this long. And he goes, I'm in Celebrate Recovery. He goes, I want accountability. This dude makes like half a million dollars a year and doesn't have any, any money to show for it. And that's been his lifestyle, just crazy. Super successful, talented guy, but just blowing money everywhere, partying up. He goes, he, goes, he goes, if you go with me, um, I'll have some accountability. He goes, because all these people know the old run, and they're going to want to party, and, you know, I already know some women who are going to, you know, make me an offer. He said, would you go with me and, and just help me, you know, enjoy my time? He goes, you know, we'll hang out, we'll have a good time, and, uh, you know, just help me get through it. And he goes, and by the way, we're fine first class, and I'm going to pay for everything for you. And I was like, well, okay. 
So I called it Rich People Camp. So I'm in this room, this lobby of this resort, and everybody's talking. It's, it's kind of a mixer, you know, and people are drinking and this kind of thing. And I'm talking to all kinds of people. And when they ask what I did for a living, I just tell them, I'm a leadership consultant. <laughs> Which is true. I do that on the side. Because uh, if you tell them you're a pastor, the conversation changes. Does this make sense? Yeah. And so later if they find out, that's fine because I do that too. And so after like the first couple of days, uh, Ron goes, hey, man, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean, what am I doing? He's like, e everybody here like thinks you're cool. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, where have you been? Right? He goes, no, no, no. He goes, they have no idea you're my pastor. He goes, they don't know anything about you. They know nothing. And they think you're cool. I go, yeah, that's because I haven't told them anything about me. And he goes, well, wh why do they think you're cool? And I said, because I walk up and I say, hey, tell me about yourself. What are you most excited about right now in your life? And you know what I do? I shut up and I, all right, for all of you men who are dating right now, if you want her to fall in love with you, ask her a question and just stare at her. <laughs> she will think you are the most interesting man on the planet. Did you write it down? To listen is to love. To listen is to love. And everybody is starving for it. We're all looking at our phones. We're all staring at screens. <laughs> and the glory of God is in the heavens. Listen. To listen is to love. It's to validate the other the other person. It's, it's wise. Last one. Number four, wise people are gracious. James wrote it this way, they're full of mercy. They're full of mercy. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Don't give people what they deserve. Give them what they need. Don't give people what they deserve. Give them what they need. Uh, who is the wisest person in all the universe? Who is the most merciful person in all the universe? Mercy and wisdom go together like macaroni and cheese, like spaghetti and meatballs, like peanut butter and jelly. Wise people are, are gracious. Somebody does something wrong, don't rub it in, polish it out. Be, be gracious. In parenting, you can write this down. Rules without relationship will equal rebellion. You write that down. Rules without relationship will equal rebellion. The more that we are not merciful and gracious with our kids, the more over time they will rebel against us. Now, if they're little, you're big, they're small, and you're going to win. But there's going to come a day when they're looking you in the eye. And there's either trust between you or there's not. What mercy and grace does is it builds trust. It builds a relationship and it allows you to move from cop to lifelong consultant. Rules without relationship will equal rebellion. Rules with relationship over time will equal righteousness. Rules with relationship over time will equal righteousness. Um, that's a principle. Kids always rebel. 
If you've got a kid that's in rebellion, let me remind you of this. You're like, oh man, I could have done better as a parent. Well, that's true. But let me remind you of this. There's a perfect parent who created two kids. Their names were Adam and Eve. And he put them in a perfect environment. Perfect parent, perfect environment. And you know what they did? They rebelled. Welcome to the human condition. But give yourself some grace too. But wise people are full of mercy. They're they're gracious. As it comes here on the screen, let me remind you and then we'll pray. In the end, in the end, all that matters is God and people. Let's say it together. In the end, all that matters is God and people. Gave you four things today that the Bible says wise people do. Which one does God want you to begin to practice? All four of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick one. Ask the Holy Spirit. Pick one. And start to apply it. Don't just know it. What are we going to do? We're going to show it. Who do you need to be merciful towards? Who do you need to start listening to? Who do you need to be honest with? This is what wise people do. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, give us wisdom of the truth of your word. Not just in our minds, but in our hearts. May we apply it. Application is what equals transformation. So you've given us the information. You've given us some some wisdom from heaven. And so may we as men, as leaders in our homes, uh, in workplace, wherever it is that that God has given us to, to steward, may we bring heaven into the real world with with wisdom. Now we ask ourselves that question, what is, what is the wise thing to do? And may we be great ambassadors of yours, Jesus. May we represent your ways well. Teach us, we pray, in your name. Amen.